Then um, let us chat now to Dr. Trudy Meehan, a senior clinical psychologist and lecturer at the Center for Positive Psychology and Health at RCSI, which is um, an Irish university. Trudy, good afternoon. Hi, John. Good afternoon. Lovely to talk to you. Did you hear that child on the voice note? I didn't hear the child. I was just running from my own child who's at home sick with me. (laughs) Because I, I posed the question, how do we find joy in uh, in a country like ours where there is so much yeah. which is not joyous and this very uh, she sounded like she was five or six said john you don't find joy you do joy oh wow that's very wise and she's right she's absolutely right i love that it, it and it is something we do and, and a lot of people talk about making it a practice um, and I think that's that's something that we all need to be very aware of and how we practice our thinking and our behavior every day to bring joy and to create it. Um, I could just listen to that accent all day and it would bring me an enormous <laughs> amount of joy. Um, but can I ask you for a definition first, Trudy, of, you know, how do we is there a distinction between joy and pleasure and happiness and and other words that uh, describe positive affect? Yeah, that, that's a really great question. And yes, there is a distinction. And the easiest way to break it down is there's two ways of thinking about happiness. Um, and one is to think about happiness as that just immediate pleasurable experience in the moment, which they call hedonic happiness. So happiness and pleasure for the sake of, you know, eating a slice of chocolate cake or lounging in the sun, or, you know, splashing in the water, those kind of moments of immediate, um, you get feedback immediately. And there's a different type of happiness called eudaimonic happiness, which is happiness that's, it gives you deeper meaning. And it, it's more than just a momentary kind of shoot of pleasure. It, it can be more longer lasting. Sometimes it can be harder to do and to get to. Um, but it can have a, um, a more positive impact on your health and well-being in the long term. But we need both of them in our life at different times. Um, yeah. And so joy goes across those. Mostly joy is very momentary and uh, and we do it um, in the moment by being present. Um, so that's often one of the hardest things about joy, especially for adults. We're not very good at being in the moment and allowing us to live fully in that moment. We're always worrying about the future or thinking about the past and what we could have done or should have done. Yeah, I, I had an experience yesterday. I, I was I was driving and um, in in one of our suburbs, and um, there was a mother who was accompanying her uh, child, who a boy of he looked to be about four years old. And he was pressing against everything that he could press against. So if there was an electricity pole, he stood and pressed against it. And then he pressed against a wall. And then he pressed against a tree trunk. And then he pressed against a door. And he was just giggling himself silly at the super pressing that he was doing. And I did think to myself, and I hadn't, uh, and hadn't at that stage read the article, which prompted us to, to call you and get you on the radio. But I thought when... When and how did I lose the capacity to experience that kind of in-the-moment delight at being alive? Yeah, yeah. It's And it's 
it's so sad that we lose it. Some some adults manage to hold on to it and, and they're wonderful people to be around because they manage to bring it out in everybody. But and that's the thing, that kind of joy, it it's sensory, it's it's sensuous. It, it's through our body, it's through our senses, it's through connection with other people. It, it it's not just an intellectual thing. It, it it often very rarely is. Sometimes there's intellectual joy. But I think our 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 society and our times tend to value the head things more than the heart and body things. And very quickly we learn that as children. And, you know, we start to see some things as serious and valued and other things as not serious and not so valued. But the funny thing is that coming from a centre for positive health sciences, we know from the evidence that the things that are not necessarily so serious are actually the things that are seriously good for us. Some things like play and joy and connection with other people and just those those small moments of savouring things and having moments of awe, they're the things that are life-giving and health-giving to us. Yeah, again, from my personal experience, I, I had supper last night with my younger sister and her brother-in-law and then two couples who my sister and brother-in-law have been friends with since university, which is 50 years ago. And I, I've become friendly with them as well. And there we were, people in our mid to late 60s, and, you know, we'd had heart attacks and we'd survived cancer and this operations on this and autoimmune diseases. And we, we just looked at each other and said, we're survivors. We're still here. We have this joy of companionship. Pour another glass of wine, you know. Uh, but I, I think, I think well, certainly again, speaking about myself, I tend to wait for joy to find me instead of going out to look for joy, to look for, to go back to our child's formulation of it. Um, I, I don't look enough for opportunities to do joy. Yeah. I, and you're not alone there. I think most of us are like that because it's, it's not seen as valuable. But if we start to see it as something that can improve our health and help us live longer, then it's important to go and find it. So so it becomes as important as, you know, kind of having your apple once a day or your, your fruit and veg or, you know, taking your bit of exercise. And there's simple things we can do to find joy. And some of those are just like, you know, taking a moment and looking with with fresh eyes, almost looking with a child's eyes, but looking with a, a creative person's eyes. What's beautiful outside the window? What strikes me? What's not beautiful, but what's what's kind of awesome uh, about the things that aren't beautiful and what's wondrous about them? And to just slow down and really look and see what's around us. The, the other thing that's very simple to do is something like a gratitude journal. And, and you know, at the end of every day, sit down and, and write what we're grateful for and why. And that, that very soon opens up a lot of joy and gratitude. Yeah, I sort of tend to take the cynical attitude that that at the end of the year will be an entirely empty collection of pages. But that's ridiculous. Um, you know, they, um, and I know so many people who are in a significantly worse off position in terms of health and wealth and opportunity and privilege and so on, who, who seem to find things to connect with in their lives that give them delight in a way. So, I mean, in a way that I don't, is it, is it down to personality type? Um, are there certain kinds of people who simply find it more difficult to do this practice than others? Do I have an excuse, in other words, for being such a miserable old sod? 
you have a partial excuse in that you may be more predisposed to being a little bit pessimistic or, or taking a more negative view on life. But you're not fully excused in that we know that practicing the habit of optimism and and looking for joy gets you better at doing it so you can train yourself. So, you know, it, it's like, you know, I, I'm not very nat- naturally athletic, but, you know, I have to make the effort um, to exercise. And, and when I make the effort, I get better at it and I can do it. So I have no excuse to not do it. Um, and some things don't come as naturally to us, but we can learn to do them. And, and they're important to learn to do them. And are there certain things that work best for certain kinds of people or the basic elements of a find joy, do joy strategy, pretty much the same, whoever you are? That's a great question. They're, they're pretty much the same, but it can be helpful for people who are, you know, kind of very pragmatic or like to kind of deal with the problems up front. Um, is literally to, to list all the bad things first and get them out of the way. Like, these are all the issues I have ahead of me in the day. These are all the problems. And, you know, to just acknowledge them and get them out of the way rather than the thing about being positive or joyful isn't to pretend that there's nothing challenging or hard in life. It's to accept and acknowledge that things are hard and to have a little bit of compassion around that. So, I think for me, the best way to get to joy is not to kind of push 100% to the to the positive and ignore some of the hard things. It's to acknowledge the hard things and to accept them in the sense that we all suffer. We suffer differently, but collectively, you know, all the organisms on the planet suffer in, in different ways as just part of being alive. So we share a collective experience of suffering that 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 connects us um, and that, that's inevitable. But to acknowledge that I think is important. And then we can go, yes, that's there. And also there's these other things there because often we think of you can't be happy if you're, if you're unwell or if you're not completely healthy or if you don't have all these material things that everybody else has. But it's about thinking of both and happiness in terms of meaning, important relationships, having something to live for and some body to live for are often separate from the career or the material objects or the physical challenges that we might be facing. Trudy, thank you so, so much. Now go and bring happiness into the sick child's life, will you please? Trudy Meehan, a senior clinical psychologist and lecturer at the Centre for Positive Psychology and Health at RCSI, Royal College of... Surgical Institute, something like that. It's an Irish university.